Hey everybody, it's uh, Eric here with the Lion's Zen Podcast. Um, today's episode, I'm going to get uh, a little deep on some, some mental health stuff, right? And uh, I'm going to share my journey and what, and what that's looked like and you know the reason for doing this. Uh, first off, though, I want to start things off by, by just saying how touched I am from all the support that I've gotten from all my family and friends and um, you know it's it's been a, a week now since I've released some episodes and the support the love that, that I've gotten has been overwhelming for me um, I just want to say thank you it, it, it means it means the world to me to know that that I'm helping somebody that that somebody is you know supporting me in 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 my journey as well so thank you Ian. so yeah let's um let's get talking about some behavioral health issues right let's uh let's start talking about about my journey and what my journeys look like a little bit so i I had first gotten put on some antidepressant medication when I was about, oh, I don't know, 25, I think it was. Um, and the reason behind that was uh, because my, me and my wife had been attempting to have a child for years. Um, and we were having some, some pretty big infertility issues. And of course, you know, we we start with me to get tested to to see if I'm the problem, right? If I have issues with with my sperm, and if that's the issue, right? And then you know, stuff comes back, and the doctor says, "Oh yeah, well this is kind of low, or that's kind of low, or whatever." So, hearing that, I, I immediately felt that I was the issue, and that I was the reason why you know I wasn't going to have children. And that hurt, and that hurt a lot, you know. Um, later, found out the doctor said, "No, you can still bear children. You're fine. It's okay. It just it might it might take you know a little more, whatever." So then, my wife at the time starts getting tested. More expensive testing, right? For for a woman to to get tested for her infertility issues than it is for a man, so she's getting tested and and they find that everything's okay with her too you know so it's just it's crazy it was three and a half years four years of trying and and doing these tests and and nothing's happening you know and it was it 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 wears on you you know um and it wears on you even more so when you hear people out there that that are you know your age or younger and they're pregnant, and they're making comments, and the comments like, oh my God, just cut this thing out of me, I want this out of me, oh God, what is wrong with me, oh, why'd I do this, da 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 whatever. And when you're going through years of not being able to bear one, it, it hurts, right? And then you have extended family members, you know, cousins, uncles, aunts, whatever, that may not know exactly what you're going through. You know, grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever. 
they don't know 100% of what you're going through. I know they're constantly asking, oh, when are you going to have a baby? When's the baby coming? When's this coming? And I know they, they, they never mean, you know, harm or, or ill will, but it just, you know, it, it, it hurts, right? It hurts. So we went through um, what's called in uterine insemination or, or IUI. And basically what that is, that's, that's the first step before IVF. And basically what they do is they, they inject my sperm directly into, into the woman, right? And in hopes that it'll, it'll fertilize and do its own thing, right? So we did that one time. She got pregnant. We were elated, just so incredibly happy, right? Can't believe it. Baby be due on the 4th of July. And about about 12 weeks in, she starts to have some bleeding. And uh, we're in Chicago at the History Museum. And we don't know what to think. So she calls the doctor. The doctor says, oh, well, you know, it might just be normal. Just don't know for sure. Whatever. We get back to Dubuque. We go to the doctor. Um, only to find out that she had an ectopic pregnancy. And an ectopic pregnancy is when the fertilized egg implants itself, um, you know, somewhere in the fallopian tube. And um, this this particular one implanted itself right at the bottom of the fallopian tube, right at the exit, right right to the entrance of where it needed to be. And um, you know, we ask, can can this can this be saved? Can this be rectified? Like, what can this be a a, a child or what what do we have to do here? And they told us that there was no way this was going to grow to full term and as it grew if you know another week or two weeks it could rupture her fallopian tube and she would internally bleed out and die so we were basically being told you know we're going to cut your wife open and and take your child from you that you've tried so hard to get for four years you know so that was a horrible, horrible feeling, right? And we went a couple of months. Um, we tried the IUI again after a couple of months. Didn't work. Another month goes by. We tried again a third time. Doesn't work. The doctor said, we normally only do this three times. Um, and then tell you, you know, you have to go do IVF. But in our case, they allowed us to do it a fourth time. Um, we did it a fourth time. It was March 1st of 2013. 
and that one took and and and, and we got you know we were pregnant she was pregnant and then in late November that year um, she she gave birth to to our oldest daughter and she's you know beautiful fun loving child and I, I love her to the moon and back you know that was I was done I was so happy with one I was like after everything we've gone through I I am so happy and pleased like one one is fine right like I'm I'm so okay with one she wasn't she wanted to try she wanted to try again and again and again I said okay fine right you know and and as a as a husband as a man right I you know we've gone some time without without intercourse and um of course she had just you know birthed our child like a month ago and uh you know at, at some point I, I don't know if she was being sly about it and trying to you know get pregnant again or if she really wanted to or or what the issue was but it was the very first time that we then had intercourse after her bearing our oldest she got pregnant again and this time it was you know by by our own right it was no help from doctors it was you know none of that and again we were so elated you know extremely happy um like i said i was totally okay with just having one but then having a second daughter um i i i couldn't be happier right during that pregnancy um they had told us that you know after different ultrasounds etc that they were like this could be a molar pregnancy and I had no idea what that meant and my wife didn't really know what that meant and um, so we start asking questions we're like what do you mean and what they had meant was a molar pregnancy means that there's it's it's almost like a phantom pregnancy like there's nothing there like there's no child there whatsoever so again we became very you know just disheartened because we tried for so hard and then to to get pregnant again right thankfully the doctors were wrong and you know and she actually was pregnant right like I said we had our, our second daughter and um, you know having two children at you know at such young ages together you know diapers and diapers and diapers and child care and you know it's it's a lot right waking up in the middle of the night just when you get one sleeping through the night now you got another one that's not sleeping through the night my my wife dealt with some pretty hard postpartum depression um, and I, I gotta be honest I didn't really know how to handle that I had no idea you know, and, and, and I I didn't even necessarily know that she was going through something. I just thought she was, you know, sad and, and having, you know, at times these anger issues. Like, I, I just thought that's what it was. I had no idea. There's not a, there's not a handbook for this stuff, right? So, 
just, I just remember trying to be the best father I could be and taking care of those kids, right? And this goes for, for everybody out there, right? I mean, when you have kids with somebody, please try and make it as 50-50 as possible. Don't, don't, don't let one parent shoulder more of the burden, right? Clean up those baby bottles, laundry, diapers, feeding, whatever, right? Playing with them. And, and no matter what age, right? No matter what age they are, that burden doesn't go away. You know, that's, that's your child and you do anything for them 100%. Just try and make it more 50-50, your partners in life. And I know it's hard. It's really hard. But it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever get in life. It really is. And my kids are paying dividends to me right now. And it's... It's so... It's so heartwarming. So, <clears throat> fast forward a little bit more. You know, my kids get a little bit older. They're three, one, three, two... My wife gets pregnant again. We'd always wanted a boy. You know, we had two girls, so it was like, okay, <clears throat> really hope that we have a boy. And um, this was right after we moved back to Iowa from Orlando. We lived in Orlando for a bit. We moved back to Iowa. And she got pregnant again. <clears throat> and then at this time... Um, she was about 13 weeks along and it was another ectopic pregnancy. A second one. And, and this time her tube ruptured and she was bleeding internally. They had to do an emergency surgery, you know, to make sure that she didn't bleed out. And of course we lost, we lost that child as well. So going through all of this for all these years, you know, it can, it can really take a toll on a person. Shortly after that ectopic pregnancy, months after that, um, we decided to separate and, and get a divorce. So going through all this stressful situations for, you know, a few years, right? I somehow managed to to get out of that and, and move on with my life. When when we lived in Florida, we lived in Orlando and at times, my wife would zone out for an hour. And by zone out, I mean staring at a wall for an hour. And I would be calling her name. And I would be touching her shoulder. 
I would be squeezing her leg or her hand. I would be waving my hand in front of her face and she would be unresponsive. At that, at that point, right, I had an obligation to take care of our children. Um, and they needed me, right? They were, they were three and one at the time, you know, it's like they needed me. So I couldn't give my wife the, the attention that she needed, right? Because she had something serious going on with her. Once we moved back to Dubuque, you know, that, that went on for, for months, right? That went on for months. I remember one night I was out driving Uber in Orlando on a Saturday night. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And she called me. And she was beside herself. She was scared. I didn't know what to think. She kept telling me that somebody was in the house. She was paranoid. I immediately ran home as soon as I could. And I walked through the whole house. Kids were fine. Nobody was there. But her being paranoid like that just scared me. And that wasn't the first time, right? I mean, there was another time where, where she would have an episode like that. And again, I didn't know what to think. I had no idea what to think, what to feel, what was going on, what to do. I had no idea. At that time, I was working, I was working a Monday through Friday job. I had to get up at 6.30 every morning, get my kids ready, drive them off at daycare, go to work, right? And she was working Monday through Friday as well. But then I would go out and drive Uber one day during the week until midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I would drive Uber on the weekends from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. every Friday and Saturday night and then get up in, in the morning on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning at 7, 8 o'clock, only getting maybe three hours of sleep at most, right? To get up and then go to Gatorland or SeaWorld or Disney World, you know, or, or whatever it was that we were going to go do as a family, right? So I was doing everything that I thought that I could to, to provide for them and then help out any way I could, right? So then we moved back to the, back to Iowa. Um, she was not happy down there. It was just me, her, and our children. You know, we didn't have the support of our families. And we moved back because that's what she wanted and I felt like that's exactly what she needed at that time, right? after going through all these things with her down there, not knowing what to do. We come back. She she gets the help that she needs here, right? And she would just look at me and tell me, why didn't you have me admitted, you know, while we were in Florida? And I said, I couldn't. I said, it was just me, right? And, and she didn't get admitted up here, up in Iowa, you know, but she just, she went and talked to doctors and therapists and 
and uh, they came up with a diagnosis that, that she had that she was bipolar and it really started to begin make to make sense to me um, you know they got her on some some medications and she's been she's been doing well ever since right but it really made sense because I could see her manic states and once I once I read more up on it I, I could understand what was going on her manic states she would she would just want to spend money frivolously on whatever right sometimes it was a power wheels for the kids sometimes it was clothes for the kids sometimes it was something for her you know it it made sense though like that was that was her manic state and then her depressive state was you know just zoned out so it all made sense right it all it all really made sense so then we get divorced shortly after that right we get divorced um, I just wasn't happy she wasn't happy it was just what was best um, those next few years after that were were pretty hard on me right and now I think we're approaching year four now this year and um, those three four years were pretty pretty hard on me um, especially with different things going on in my life and I I didn't know what was wrong with me I refused to go and talk to anybody any doctor or anything I went through a lot of dark moments in my life during those few years some were, were so incredibly dark that I would sit in the dark at the kitchen table no lights on late at night with a loaded handgun on the table contemplating using it on myself I would think about my life my job my career my my mother my children you know and what what that would mean for them if they were all better off without me I am so incredibly thankful that I did not do that okay I got into a couple of car accidents not my fault got rear-ended at red lights a few times and the first time I, I had a, a, a back injury I'm going to live with for the rest of my life, right? And I went physical therapy and all this and, you know, trying to do everything that I could to, to make myself feel better. And 
just when I finally thought I was feeling better, just when I was getting comfort, when I, when I, the pain had started to subside, I get rear-ended again by a drunk driver. causing more pain more back issues and that's really when my depression probably hit worst and I had just moved in with somebody a girlfriend and um, you know we have since broken up um, I just I couldn't give her what she needed and those times were were hard on me um, that was the only time when I had an actual plan of how I was going to kill myself and I had thought about it weekly, daily. I didn't tell anybody. I was going, I was seeing a psychiatrist. He couldn't seem to figure out what was wrong with me. I became over-medicated. Um, he just kept prescribing pills. More pills, more pills, more pills, more pills. And at any given time, I was taking up to 15 or 16 pills a night for my depression. And to help me sleep. And to subside these nightmares, these graphic, horrific nightmares that I was having 15 pills a night and I remember asking him one day I said how many pills does one person have to take before they need to get their stomach pumped right how many I said because right now right now I'm taking 15 a night He didn't have an answer. He didn't have an answer for any any of it. He didn't know what was wrong with me. I asked to get I asked to get a referral to a therapist. He said no. I said somebody in your office. I said there's there's plenty of therapists in your office, you know. I said, I think it would be beneficial to talk to one of them. And then you two, you know, because you're in the same office, can, can work together. You know, you two can work together and then come up with a treatment plan that best suits me, right? No, no, he didn't like that idea. No, wasn't going to do that. So it was at that point that I figured out that he was not going to help me at all that if I wanted to get better that I 
needed to do it on my own. So at that point, I started weaning myself off all of the drugs, right? I was cutting the doses in half. I was, you know, doing that for two weeks and stopping and so on and so forth. So many of them, right? Until I got down to the last one. And then I tried stop I tried to stop taking that one and that's when I noticed that I was worse. My anxiety was through the roof if I missed that pill. So I started taking that one again and then I was okay. I was okay for, for a bit. But I still noticed I had some some mood swings, right? And then it then it struck me. I was like, my ex wife had this. Like this was this was her, right? But mine was much, much, much worse. Her manic states, she would want to spend money. My manic states, yeah, I would spend money. But I would go a lot further. My manic states, I wanted to break the law. I wanted to potentially harm someone. Those were my manic states. And they were scary. Very, very scary. And I did some things that I'm not proud of. I'm not going to disclose what I did, but I definitely did some things that I'm not proud of. I went to my doctor and I told him, you know, this is what's going on. And I need you to listen to me. I need you to believe me when I tell you this. And I need you to help me with this. And he did. Thankfully, he did. But he had no idea. He never he had never seen me in that in that way, right? Because every time I'd show up there I was depressed because I didn't want to be there. I wasn't manic, I was depressed. So that's all he saw. Early on, his treatment plan for me wasn't just medicating me or over medicating me early on he wanted to do electroshock therapy on me and he made reference to it three four five different times electroshock therapy that sounds scary that sounds excessive right that's that's what he wanted to do to me. I said, no, 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 no way. No, 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 no. And then he would bring it up again and again and again. And my answer would still be the same. No, right? Even though 
he wanted to do those things. He wanted to try those things. He over-medicated me. Even through all of that, I'm the one that had to help myself. I'm the one that had to find out what was wrong with me. I'm the one that took care of my own treatment plan. And I told so many people this. I said, listen, if I ever, ever make it through this, this depression, this mental health issues that I'm having, if I can make it through and, and, and continue living and be a better person, that I need to share my story with people. Because of everything that I've gone through in my life, being shot at, car accidents, probably should have been dead or in jail by the time I was 21. After everything that I've done and gone through, this, this mental health stuff, these last few years, have been the absolute hardest things I've ever had to go through in my life. So many people tell you to, to stay positive, to think positive, to be positive, to wake up positive. Positivity, positivity, positivity. That only works so much. That only gets you so far. I would do that. I would try and wake up every day and be positive and have a positive outlook, positive attitude the whole time. But something would always set me back. Something would always kick me down and I couldn't get up. And I would be in just a shit mood all day for days. I, I wish I could speak to one thing that turned it all around for me. I wish I could. I really wish I could speak to one thing that really helped me. The only thing that I can think of is that I, I had what I like to call uh, a spiritual awakening. I don't know what else to call it. You know, just one day, my gut, my gut instinct, I don't know how else to explain it, I don't know how else to say it, but it was so strong, and I just took it as a sign that I needed to change. And I just started thinking and reminiscing and reflecting on the couple of years prior and what was going on in my life and how unhappy I was in my relationship. And I told the person that I was with them that I can't, I can't give you what you want. I can't make you happy. I can't wake up every day and choose you. And that is unfair to you.
I felt, I felt good. I felt good. I, I was trying to embrace nature and I was trying to embrace everything, right? I was, God, it felt so good. And then December comes. And then it's almost like seasonal depression. December, January, February. And then in March, I get the, I, I figure out, hey, like I, I might be bipolar. Like I feel like that's exactly what's going on, right? I took it upon myself to try and figure out what was wrong with me because my doctor wasn't doing it for me. And newsflash, some of these doctors are so incredibly overworked with caseloads. Western medicine for mental health is medicate, 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 medicate. That's all that is. Yet you need so much more to, to help yourself to figure out what is wrong with you. Part of what has helped me is talking to friends. Part of what has helped me is, is giving them advice, is talking to them, is sharing my wisdom, right? That's, that's where this was born. That's why this was born. So many of different people, you know, that I've talked to, you know, just, just, just feel better listening to my wisdom, to my stories, to my, to what I have to say. That's why this was born. This is my way of coping. This is my way of getting, my growing myself. And I hope that in some way, shape, or form, I help somebody else grow. That I help somebody else get through a hard time. that I help somebody else reflect on what their life looks like right now and hopefully they make a change for the better. Life is hard. But it's also great. And the moment you go from just existing in life to living your life, once you get to that point, it's fantastic. Life turns around and it is fantastic. You just have to figure out what it is you need to do and how you need to get there. Some of us struggle with, you know, abandonment issues. Some of us struggle with, you know, fitting in. Some of us struggle with, you know, we shoulder so many different burdens, right? So many different burdens. We all do. Shed yourself of those burdens. You know, whatever it is you're carrying. Like, for me, personally, the burden that I was shouldering was I was, I was seeking out my brother's approval. And the reason behind that was, was because my dad really wasn't around. He was never really around. 
So the closest thing to a male figure that I had in my life were my two older brothers, and I was trying to seek out their approval for whatever it was I was doing. And I never really got it. I never, ever really got it. So then I asked myself, why? Why, why are you carrying this burden around? And I let it go. I stopped trying to make other people happy. And I started trying to make myself happy. And doing what I wanted to do. And dressing the way that I wanted to dress. And doing the things that I wanted to do. And I'm here to tell you, I took a big bite out of that, that juicy apple that is life. And I just let the juices run down my chin. And it feels amazing to just be you, to just be who you are who you want to be. It's it's the greatest, one of the greatest feelings that I've ever had in my life. You know, a lot of people may put me in, you know, a certain box because that's what society does, right? We put everybody in a box. Everybody's got to fit in some sort of box. I don't fit into a box. I'm not trying to fit into a box. You can put me in different boxes, right? Father, white, cis, male, whatever. Whatever box you feel like putting me in, right? You can put me in a box. But I'm trying to bust out of that box. I don't want to be in a box. I want to be me. Maybe that's the turning point. Maybe that was my turning when I just stopped caring about what others thought of me and what others think of me. And I was just unapologetically me. Mother's Day was a couple days ago. And myself and my brother and his fiance his daughter, we all met at, at the casino where there's uh, this, this dog track. They have dog racing there. And it was the second to last week for the dog racing. Um, this coming Sunday will be the last day forever. They're shutting it down. They're not doing it anymore. It's Greyhound dog racing. And they've had it there for, I don't know, 40 years at least. So we went there for Mother's Day. And I show up and I'm I'm dressed in my, my normal normal garb, right? I don't know. A lot of people say that I, I dress to stand out. Maybe I do. And that's, and that's fine. That's me. Like, I don't care, right? And I show up, and I've got this big gold diamond-encrusted lion's head on a, on a necklace, right? And I wear it. I wear it often. It's me showcasing this brand 
It's me showcasing the lion's zen. It's me being me. Right? I wanted that necklace. I bought it. I'm going to wear it. And I don't care what people think. They look at me. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But for some reason, that day, going there, and the first time my brother and his fiance and them seeing me for the first time wearing that, I was a little worried the days leading up. I was a little concerned about what they were going to think about it. And then the morning of, I thought to myself, why do you care? You, you, you took that burden off your shoulders. You, you shedded yourself of that burden. Why do you care? This is who you are. And if they have a problem with it, that's more of a reflection on them than it is on me. And I get there. Nothing was said. They, I didn't even see him look at it. And I was just, okay, great. Like, they don't care, right? This is fantastic. I can just be me and nobody's going to care and it's whatever, right? I, I, I felt great. Again... I shouldn't have cared. At the end of the day, we were talking about a grand high school graduation party for, for his daughter. I said, oh yeah, it's in a few weeks, right? Yep, 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 yep. And then it got brought up, oh, so are you and your bling going to be there? And I said, yep, better believe it, you know. And that was the, the only thing that was said about it, you know. And it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me one bit because that's who I am. That's who I'm going to be. And once you learn to love yourself and be yourself, that's when you go from existing in life to living your life and I have to tell you that is one of the most amazing feelings you'll ever get there's this incredibly bad stigma around mental health right and men's mental health especially guys trust me I went years fighting this by myself without reaching out to get any help from any doctor. And I know how some of you guys can be. I'm, even even women, right? You can be stubborn. Stubborn as hell. And there's this bad stigma around, you know, mental health. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It doesn't make you less of a man for asking. It doesn't make you less of a woman for asking. If anything, it makes you more of a man or more of a woman for getting help. It makes you more of a person for reaching out and getting help.
don't don't make fun of people, don't make light of people that have issues like this. It, it can only make the situation worse. Help your friends. Be genuine. Ask them how they're doing. Don't just ask them that to ask them that. Ask them how they're doing because you genuinely care. Because you genuinely want to help. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I guess that will wrap this one up for now. Um, you know what it is. It's me. It's Eric. This is the Lion's End Podcast. Um, always remember, you know, be a lion. Own it. Right? Be a better person. Always please uh, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends. Um, be on the lookout. I'm going to try and release a, a new episode every week, hopefully every Tuesday or Wednesday, somewhere in there. Um, but again, please subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends. I hope you all have a great day, a great week, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.